0: What's up horror fans, it's Anchor Pete, and it is good to be back on the Anchor, no, it's not the Anchor Pete channel, it's the LasserCast, and whoops, what? I should know that because I'm with my good friend and co-host, Dr. Zgod, Danny Torquell. Danny, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. Uh, I get the mix-up in channels. We are all over the place. Uh, we, we do our Raised by Wolves talks on uh, Comic Books Transformed. Uh, You have your Anchor Pete stuff uh, going and uh, we do our horror and now kind of slowly shifting slightly into science fiction uh, now here on the Lassarcast. So yeah, Uh, Yeah. I've been looking forward to talking about this for a while. We've been trying to get together for this video for a while. Uh, Charlotte and I just rewatched, well, I just rewatched. She watched for the first time The Terminator. last night. And every time I watch that movie, I'm kind of blown away at what I'm watching. And Mm -hmm. I'm just so excited that the next movie I get to watch with her is Terminator 2.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah, you guys are so lucky. Yeah, man. um, We are talking about this because we just interviewed David Weiner, who's been on the last cast a whole bunch of times and um he just released or is going to release right it's not even out yet right uh, uh you, so- can, you can
1: you could still go uh to 80 com up until march 27th and you could get you could pre-order in search of tomorrow the definitive 80s sci-fi documentary uh and uh i you get you know everything that you got with the in search of darkness parts one and two, which was like, you know, Blu-ray copy posters, pins, all sorts of that stuff. And your name in the credits, uh, you get all of that stuff, but you could order that at 80 sci-fi doc.com before March 27. And then I think he said that like, they're going to start shipping in May and June, something to that effect or, yeah. or April and May, April and May.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Cool, yeah. So there's still a chance to be a part of this. It's an awesome documentary. Danny and I got to watch all, like, almost five hours of it. And uh, that inspired these videos that we're making. We're For this whole month, we're doing our In Search of Tomorrow video, which just came out. We got this one today, which is about Terminator from 1984. Then we have Predator, and then we also have The Running Man. So there's, like, an Arnold theme. Now, um, it's not just Terminator, though, today. You see, I thought that we could talk about androids in general and artificial intelligence and so on the other channel Danny and i've been talking about raised by wolves which is that hbo max show that sci-fi show that's been on for two seasons now we've really enjoyed talking about it and there's definitely some parallels between raised by wolves and the terminator so i thought that's what we could talk about today it's just basically androids you know these robots that look like people that have no problems just brutally killing people so With that being said, um, I just wanted to talk about uh, Raised by Wolves in case people aren't familiar with that show. So basically, Raised by Wolves takes place over 100 years in the future. The Earth has been destroyed, just like it is in the Terminator, right? It's pretty much uninhabitable. But in Raised by Wolves, humanity is able to travel to another planet. They travel to Kepler-22b, and you have humanity broken into two factions, the Mithraic and uh, the Atheists. And the Mithraic are um, people that believe in this entity called Saul. And we find out that Saul is actually kind of like a signal that even though they kind of treat it like it's God, it's actually this signal that's sending them messages. And so in Raised by Wolves, you have a couple of different forms of uh, artificial intelligence. Dan, you want to tell people what some of those uh, AIs are?
1: Well, uh, the main characters are mother and father who are a pair of androids tasked with basically rescuing the atheist leftovers of humanity. They like take mother is like, she's an Android, but she's impregnated with these embryos. Um, Only one of the children survives. Uh, They end up with more children later on, but mother and father are like caregiving androids uh and mother is was originally a mithraic necromancer a like super destroying robot uh who was retooled to be a caregiver uh that we also in season two which just ended go watch it it's it's so good uh season two gave us uh, a couple of really cool new Android characters. There's a first, there's this incredibly beautiful production called The Trust, uh, which is the AI, uh, the artificial intelligence that uh, governs the atheistic camp. Uh, And they just follow whatever The Trust says. And then later on, we have Grandmother who is uh, another type of kind of super Android in the way in the way mother is, but brought back through a series of complex procedures throughout the season. Uh, Yeah, uh, the show pretty much. I mean, we we've brought up comparisons with uh, the obvious ones are with Ridley Scott's Prometheus slash Aliens verse. where there's a lot of connections to the themes from Prometheus and the original alien. But as we're going to talk about today, there's some very obvious uh, connections that can be made between uh, the androids in raised by wolves and Skynet in the Terminator franchise, or especially in the original Terminator.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And and so um, first off, just speaking about the androids the concept of the android is so interesting right and i think that since we're a horror channel we should talk about how scary an android is right because an android whether it's mother on raised by wolves or it's the t800 in terminator um you know obviously it looks like a real human and everyone would believe that they were looking at a human if they didn't know that androids existed like they don't know in terminator right they know in raised by wolves but um you really need to have a talented actor to portray these types of beings. And boy, did they strike gold with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, with The Terminator. And I think that he probably has gone on to inspire the actors that portray androids up until this day, including uh, the actress that plays Mother. I'm forgetting her name off the top of my head.
1: Amanda Uh, Collin?
0: Oh, oh, right. Okay, she has like the kind of normal-sounding name. And then some of the other female cast members look like, what are their names? But, and then, of course, there's Abubakar Salim, uh, who I mean, we're both huge fans of. Uh, he plays father, and I think that just the the gestures that they make to kind of show there's a robot underneath that skin. I, I was thinking about this, Danny, after watching um, both Raised by Wolves and Terminator, that even though they're playing a robot and they're a scary force that the protagonists are running away from. Uh, There is like a body horror element when you have androids.
1: Oh, I mean, uh, I made the mistake of putting the Terminator on uh, during dinner last night. And there's the very famous, maybe it's become infamous scene uh, where uh, Arnold goes back to the hotel to repair himself with the scalpel. And Charlotte kind of gave like a... I couldn't eat anymore. I don't know if you, i don't know if you heard in the background she's she's right over there but yeah, yeah uh it was she was like oh i, I don't want to watch this oh i don't think i'm hungry anymore as yeah. he's like you know sticking the scalpel in his eye to and you you see for the first time like the inner workings of the actual machine inside of him yeah. um first in his arm then the eye there's a ton of body horror aspect and and of course uh for for those of you who have watched raised by wolves uh this season grandmother is brought to life in a process that is more i would say is much more similar to uh hellraiser uh the scene where uh frank is born out of the blood in the attic uh that that scene is directly influenced by hellraiser which is one of the great body horror films of the 80s so there's there's definitely a, a body horror connection to 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 the idea of cyborgs and androids and yeah
0: so what's interesting about that there's there's two real interesting things about that when something happens to a robot whether it's in a cartoon or a live action movie it gets a pass from the rating system because it's a robot it's not a human you can do all kinds of deranged things to it uh Brian who's from the comic books transform channel and I are tremendous transformers fans we love transformers and in the transformers comics and in the cartoon movie and the live action movies they do like horrible despicable things to transformers they just like dismember them shoot them you know in transformers the movie from when i was a kid uh you know one of them gets shot and like melts from the inside so you're able to do so much when it's a robot now with these live action uh movies like the terminator and then the show like uh raised by wolves you can do all these kinds of horrible things to these characters even though they look like a human they're portrayed by a human that i think that if you were to do it in a regular horror movie you might be getting that nc-17 rating
1: i mean we didn't even mention the vril uh which is (laughs) right when you talk about body horror yeah. Uh, on Raised by Wolves, there's a, a an android character named Vrill who has her face sliced off, and so it's a a human girl, but with the uh, the robotic face shining through, and it it's an absolutely terrifying image that they just kept showing, and uh, uh, yeah, um, and and you know, the idea that that's a a young actress playing that that role. Yeah, like if that was just a female character, if that was like the daughter of, you know, the the group, you could not get away with that at all. Uh, Or I think HBO Max would be a lot more skeptical of the show having that be done.
0: Right, so I was gonna ask you, Danny then, do you know? Because right behind us in our little screen is uh, the T eight hundred, and then there's also Mother as a necromancer, right? Do you know the uh, genesis for either of these two? Like, where they got the images for those, the inspiration?
1: The the Terminator genesis.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, do you know where James Cameron got the idea for that Terminator? Uh,
1: I I don't know the original. Um, is it is it a uh, is it Metropolis?
0: It's... No, so maybe the actual design is inspired by Metropolis. But for the Terminator, it's real interesting. And you probably heard this, this story. It's almost like an urban legend. But James Cameron, when he was on the tour for his movie Piranha, when he was at the premiere of Piranha 2, the... Uh,
1: the spawning?
0: Spawning, yeah. He was in Rome, and he was sick, and he had a fever dream. And he had a fever dream that had this cybernetic figure crawling out of the flames... And it had like kitchen knives in its hands. And so that's the inspiration for the T 800. And he even said that that dream was probably inspired by Michael Myers and, you know, John Carpenter, right? And like the idea of like Michael Myers just continuing and not stopping. So the Terminator itself, even though it obviously has very clear science fiction um, inspiration, it has a horror inspiration as well, Michael Myers. That's nice,
1: I mean, I I don't know if you can see my, uh, behind me, but yeah, I, I kind of dig Michael Myers. It, it, you
0: know, bit, it's, yeah. Yeah. So I was about mother, and, and this actually ties into this point I was I was trying to make before too, which is, did you know where the inspiration for the necromancer design comes from? I
1: I I don't. It does look a little bit like Metropolis, but
0: it, it does. So you actually live a lot closer to the thing that inspired that design. Um, right at Rockefeller Center, there's that atlas, right, that holds up the Earth. Yeah. That was the inspiration for the Necromancers. So, the reason why I brought up the image point is because I think it's really interesting that they make these robots to look like humans, right? To They make them in our image. They take metal and then they shape them to look like our image, right? And then they essentially put them underneath our skin. I think there's something so interesting about that. It's like they're already made in our image but then the the android takes it another another step and it puts it underneath the skin you know so you're like more human than human you know and and i just think that idea is so crazy you know
1: i mean especially in the first terminator where you don't even realize they they really don't hint that arnold is a machine until about thirty minutes into the movie, where you first see, I think it's when they run out of the of technoir the nightclub, and right. I think that's when you first see his vision.
0: Right. Y-
1: yes, he comes, he gets you know delivered to uh, nineteen eighty four in an electrical storm, but then so does Kyle. In uh, yeah. And uh, he punches a hole straight through the, the first guy, those those three punks, including the late Bill Paxson, he punches yeah. a hole through the guy's chest. And you're like, okay, but Arnold looks like Arnold. So maybe this is just like some really strong guy. And <laughs> at the very, very beginning of the movie in, in, when you see twenty twenty nine, you don't see terminators walking around. You don't no. see, mach- you see giant machines with laser, wow. like guns shooting. But you don't actually see, like Terminator 2 opens with the giant uh, Terminators just shooting at the screen almost, like you're playing the video game. Right, right. And they don't do that in the first movie. So, you know, Charlotte wasn't even sure, you know, because uh, Michael bean uh, Kyle Reese, he's kind of shady for the first 20 30 minutes he's kind of you know stalking Sarah Connor as well right she even said it kind of feels like I'm watching Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight where you have these two characters who you don't really know anything about one of them is a little shady the other one seems to be very powerful and you're not sure the good guy bad guy dynamic until it's completely revealed and then you're like oh shit okay now right. I know what I'm dealing with right and then and then at the end, you you literally watch the human element of Arnold Schwarzenegger literally melt away.
0: Right, right,
1: right. Like to the point where they, they linger on a like burning, like skeleton. Right. Which of course is one of the great fake out endings of all time. Right. Uh, you know, Charlotte was like, he's not dead. He's not dead. And then you see Kyle walk through the fog and she's like, oh, okay. Okay, good. I'm getting tired. And then all of a sudden he sits up and she's like, what, what, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I was awesome. going to say to you, do you know what, you know what? I'd always remind him of, he, cause you, you probably collected Marvel cards. Of course. Of course myself yeah. as well. I'm sure Brian did as well. Yes. I don't know if it was the series one or series two, but Ultron, the the yes. Ultron card, was always the giant exoskeleton robot standing in front of the flames. And I'm a hundred percent convinced that that card was modeled on the right. ending of Terminator. When that when you first see, you know, yes. the skeleton in the background of what we're you know the the background of our uh, video now,
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's interesting that you bring up Ultron, right? Because Ultron is very similar to Skynet. And it's very similar to Mother. You know, it's this idea that humanity creates something that's supposed to help humanity. It's supposed to be a tool. And it's interesting because whenever you see these creatures in, uh, you know, androids in a movie or show, they either are presented as like the caregivers, like the protectors, the helpers, like Mother seems to be or they are the complete annihilator killing machine, right? There's, there's like kind of no middle ground, right? And I think it's because there's no like inherent personality, which is kind of interesting too, because in Terminator 2, the the T-800 starts to develop a personality and mother on, uh, you know, raised by wolves starts to develop personality too. But there's always this idea that there's this tool that's made to better humanity. And once it has an awareness, it turns against humanity. And that happens with Ultron, like you just mentioned. And, um, you know, obviously Skynet. And then you have, um, you know, on <laughs> Race raised by wolves. It's kind of crazy because the androids and stuff, they kind of change their programming left and right. But you mentioned the big AI, which is known <clears throat> as the trust. And the trust um, seems the most benevolent when you compare it to like Skynet or Mother. But even the trust does things that hurt humans and, and it actually almost kills a little boy on the show, right? So like whenever it's doing something that's like for the greater good, the greater good always seems to be to kill people. <laughs> you know? Well yeah,
1: that always comes back to the uh I've brought this up on our raised by wolves uh discussions, uh like the Asimov principle of like, you know, uh that robots will always robots will never uh you know, the rule number one is you never hurt human life. But then eventually what always happens in these stories is that they realize that the biggest threat to human life are humans. And right. so humans have to. And that's that's basically what Kyle tells Sarah in The Terminator is what happened with Skynet. We invent Skynet. It's 1984. I'm assuming it has to be. There's like Cold War implications in there. Yeah. And. And then very quickly, Skynet, uh, the AI, becomes self aware and recognizes that humans are the biggest threat. And the war of the future becomes robots versus humans. Uh, You know, I wrote down a few, like, just like iRobot was very similar, the Will Smith film, which is based on an Asimov story. I wrote down Ultron, I wrote down Mother, but from Alien, Ridley Scott's Alien. Oh.
0: Okay, perfect, perfect.
1: Uh, yeah. And also, uh, have you seen Ex Machina, the so Alex Garland yeah. movie? Yeah.
0: Like,
1: uh, another awesome. great example of like, we they create the, um, I, Oscar Isaac, right? He creates right. Like, the, the most perfect AI, and then of course, the AI locks, you know, kills one human, locks another in this unescapable building and escapes into the modern world to probably end up taking over humanity.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, that's sort of the age-old story, and it comes from old sci-fi books. And um, when we talk about In Search of Tomorrow, it's real interesting because, like, the very first part of the documentary is talking about science fiction movies prior to the 80s. Where they talk about how like it's always the idea that <laughs> science if we dabble with science it'll lead to our doom and there's this kind of pessimistic ver- version of science right or, or of the future and um what david does in his documentaries he makes it look like the 80s is this optimistic uplifting time right but science fiction prior to the 80s was all about the warnings and it always seems like when you create ai it's going to lead to our destruction and so there are other movies in the 80s that are examples of this but I feel like Terminator is just like the prize example. And so I thought we could kind of pivot in our discussion and we could talk about why the Terminator is so lasting, like why the Terminator movie itself is so iconic, you know? Because obviously we decided to do all these Arnold movies. This movie like solidified him as the biggest movie star, right? And um, there's a lot of interesting stuff from behind the scenes. But um, for me, and I want to hear your reasons, But for me, I think the reason why Terminator works so well is because it's so, like, everything it wants to do, it does. And there's no, uh, like, fat or anything. It's, It's just very direct. It's a very quick movie. And it's so funny because it's a movie about an efficient killing machine. And I feel like the movie itself is a fucking efficient killing machine. I feel like it just knows what it has to do and it does it, you know?
1: One one of I'm so glad you 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 took the words right out of my mouth as Meatloaf would say. Uh, the I noticed last night, um, just how efficient is like the perfect word, because this movie from the moment the technoir scene starts everything. The technoir is the name of the bar that sarah connor goes to to hide out uh, and wait for the police where the terminator and kyle uh, the savior from the future meet to like f- have their first duel their first fight and that's where you get the you know the dialogue is so on point there's not that much of it but it's like it create like charlotte knew come with me if you want to live she knew Mm -hmm. that was from terminator she had never seen the movie uh i'll be back these are iconic lines of dialogue that will come back not just in the sequels but they'll become like linchpins of the genre like arnold schwarzenegger literally did i'll be back and i think it's like in his contract like he has to say (laughs) i'll be back he does it as he like as governor of california he was like Thank you, vote for me. I'll be back. Like it became part of him as a right. human being. Right. Um, but yeah, the efficiency of this movie. It's it's just chase sequence after like hide, hiding until you need the next chase sequence. And they all, there's very few pauses in the action. And the pauses are not just like, okay, we need to run the dialogue, uh, we, uh run the runtime. Like we get some great exposition about who Kyle is and why he's there, uh, with, which gives us the whole explanation of what Skynet is. Then we have the hotel scene, which is kind of important. I've made the argument, the, the literal most important sex scene in movie history <laughs> because, because it, it, it's, it's, actual pivotal to the plot of the movie oh, it's course, not just like it's not like Friday the 13th where it's like hey let's get naked and have sex now no this is like if we don't do this this movie is never going to actually take place
0: <laughs> that's right it's a yeah paradox man you got to do it let's
1: uh, go and this
0: then off the,
1: piano. the last like half hour of the movie is just non-stop it never gives it never lets up it's right. Chase sequence. He he get he. Arnold falls off the motorcycle, so he steals the the gas the the gas truck. The gas truck explodes. We watch the skin melt. Well, Arnold's not in the movie anymore. That's the end. Nope. Now he's the the robot skeleton is walking after them. They blow it up. Now it's crawling after her. It's like it doesn't stop. Right. And
0: right.
1: it's and and in that regard, you know. There's always that debate over you know people who say well the first Terminator is kind of like a, a slasher movie, yeah because you know Jason existed J- uh, there had been by 1984 there had been three or four three three or four Jason movies already wow. and like you, I know that we uh, you mentioned John uh, James Cameron compared uh, you know based the Terminator on Michael Myers. By 1984, we had had Halloween's one and two. And yeah, this, imagine if Michael Myers or Jason, instead of walking slowly after you, ran at top speed, jumped in whatever vehicle that was around, you know, it. It's, it is in a way, it's a, a slasher horror film. I mean, he's slashing his way You know, Kyle says, you know, Michael Bean says, you know, he you can't bargain with him. There's no remorse. There's no fear. He will not stop until you're dead. I mean, that is that's Boogeyman shit right there. So, you know, what makes this movie iconic? It's all of that stuff. And then on top of it, it's the effects. It's the music. My God, Uh, Brad Fiedel, I think, is the guy who does the music. It is arguably one of the top five greatest scores I've ever heard with the most iconic, one of the most iconic. And that's something that uh, uh, David Weiner gets into in In Search of Tomorrow. One of like the the sub chapters is about like the music in sci-fi in the eighties. And like, you could always go to Star Trek and you could always go to Star Wars and Superman the Terminator music, my goodness! I mean, yes. like you could just walk around and just go like dun 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 dun, and everyone yeah. knows what you mean by yep. just those what four beats, or five beats. Like- it's almost as iconic as Jaws. It really
0: what? is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sorry, I funny- went
1: off on like I, I the movie's so fresh in my mind, and I I always forget Terminator Two is one of the most important movies of my life. Like it's one of my all-time favorite movies. And because right. of that, I always kind of forget just how great the original is until I right. rewatch it. Right. And yeah. Oh man. It's so good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, and there's actually this great part on the In Search of uh, Tomorrow documentary where they talk about the Terminator music specifically and how they get that kind of clink noise into the soundtrack too. I'm not going to spoil it. You guys can go watch the documentary, but, um, I mean yeah, yeah you know, a lot to say i wanted to address the michael myers thing and the jason thing um only this time watching the movie for the first time in my life because i've seen terminator multiple times um when arnold's burning that i made that connection to like halloween 2 when michael burns it down,
1: charlotte you know? charlotte he pointed that out even last night where yeah. we were like that it does look like the end of Halloween. it's exact almost exactly like the way he falls into mm-hmm. the fire and the, and like the way they show focus on the the mask or the 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 face burn off. Yeah. Yeah. It very, very similar to Halloween too. You could totally see Cameron was paying some homage there.
0: Right. And and what I think is so interesting about this movie is that like it almost is like a metaphor for the Terminator itself, right? Because like it's James Cameron at the very beginning of his career. And I think that people thought of it as one movie when they were making it, and it kind of led to something else. Like, there was something underneath it, you know, that got burned away, and you see what it really is. Because, like, when you think about James Cameron now, you think about the movies that are under his belt, like Aliens and Terminator 2 and, uh, you know, The Abyss and Avatar, right? All these movies where they're just these gigantic, spe- Titanic, right? These gigantic spectacles. And you know certain shots you are like, that's a James Cameron shot. He has a very distinctive shot. His it, it, scenes always seem very blue. And there's certain type of lighting in a lot of his shots. And you see it in this movie too. But it's, it's just like, he, it's being developed. It's not there yet, you know? And what's interesting is, if you think about it like, It was a slasher, which I think you totally could write this as a slasher. And you take that idea of he was inspired by Michael Myers, this creature kind of crawling out of the fire, and it's a robot. I feel like he took that image and he reverse engineered it, just like they took the Terminator's arm in Terminator 2 and reverse engineered that to make Cyberdyne, right, and Skynet. Um, You you take that crazy image and you're like, okay, well, how am I going to make this into a a 90-minute movie of this creature walking around? Well, I have Stan Winston at my disposal, the, the most amazing friggin' tech, you know, sci-fi uh, special effects artist out there ever. But that'll be too cost-effective or not cost-effective to have that throughout the whole movie, right? So we have to have it to where he can infiltrate, and people <clears throat> will see him and not think he's a robot, because that way you can have an actor play him. So they they come up with the idea of okay, well, you have to put human skin over it so that way it can go back in time because that's one little catch that they throw in that i always forget which they ask uh, kyle reese they say well how come you don't bring back a laser gun from the future to shoot this thing and he says well you have to only have living tissue or living organic yeah. matter, right and so that's why the terminator comes back as a infiltration unit and um You know, we only see the actual robot itself at the very end. And I think we're so used to seeing T2 and thinking that the robots are all over the place. But you made that good point of, yeah, we don't see it at all in the future, with the exception of that one scene. And that one scene is maybe the most horror movie part of the whole movie. When we cut to Kyle's memory of the future and he's sitting there in the bunker and he sees this little girl and um, he has Sarah Connor's picture and a terminator comes in and just starts blasting everybody. He's able to get a few shots off on that terminator and then we get this crazy this is a nightmare vision of like the face of this cyborg with its eyes. Man, that, I think that might actually be the scariest image in the whole movie.
1: Yeah, nah, I, there there's a lot of scenes like that uh sprinkled throughout. You know, just the the, the scene in the hotel room that I talked about earlier where some of the special effects in that scene have not aged very well, sure, but, sure. you know, what do you want? Like, you know what, Arnold, can you just cut your own eye out for, you know, a good shot? Yeah, yeah well, no but like just the idea of him, like taking the scalpel to the eye, you know, and like, what are you doing? Right, uh, right. The, even though it's an action sequence, like whenever you see guns in a movie, you associate it as an action sequence. But him walking him going into the police station is you know, how different is that scene than Malignant's police station scene? You know, oh, malignant is a horror movie that came out last year, and in and it's in its most batshit crazy scene, the mysterious monster killer goes crazy and murders all the policemen at the police station. The only difference is it's stabbing them with knives which make it horror. Here, you have a giant robot covered in human flesh, just shooting, getting shot, but not feeling anything. In a way, it's it's very Frankenstein-esque you can even make because it's like, you know, you can't kill something that's not alive, or that it it, it, there's a lot of, uh, of moments like that throughout that totally feel horror movie ish in the middle of this sci-fi action movie. And I'm sure you know this, because I I know, I think it got covered in, um, in search of tomorrow, but I had known about this for years, you know, who Cameron wanted to be. So Cameron wanted Lance Henriksen to be the Terminator, because originally his idea was what's scarier than just an average looking person actually being this super robot that can kill you. The studio decided they wanted a guy who looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And of course the rest is history, but there's that, that probably now the movie probably isn't as famous, no offense to Lance Henriksen. The movie's probably not as famous with him as the Terminator, right. but it's probably scarier. And, and to that effect, Terminator 2, the bad Terminator, is the most average-looking guy in the world compared to Arnold. Right, and there are right. scenes in Terminator 2 where he's beating the shit out of Arnold and your brain is playing a game with you. Like, how is this skinny guy, Robert Patrick, circa 1991, beating up Arnold Schwarzenegger? And because he's just a, you know an advanced model machine um yeah. and i i think there's part of me that always would have loved to and then of course you know lance henrickson gets to play bishop the android in cameron's next big science fiction action blockbuster so he didn't right. exactly get lost in the shuffle
0: yeah you know there's there's so much, much interesting behind the scenes stuff of terminator and of course there is that lance Henriksen note i i don't know how uh accurate the wikipedia is but They claim that when they wanted to go get financing for the movie, they had Lance Hendrickson dress up like the Terminator and he had scratches on his face with makeup. He had a leather jacket on and he had like uh, gold plating for his teeth and he kicked the door in and sat down. And and then people didn't know what the hell was going on in the office for the uh, producers. And so that was how James Cameron kind of pitched it to them. Um, other people that they considered for The Terminator were uh, Mel Gibson and also uh, Stallone. According to the Wikipedia, they uh, thought about having O.J. Simpson play The Terminator. And James Cameron didn't think that he people believe he was a killer. Yeah, added- that's the story. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But um, Arnold himself has uh, said when he was being interviewed around the time, he, he thought of the movie that it was going to be like a B movie or that it wasn't going to be a big hit. He, he referred to it as, as like a shit movie when they were just starting out and they were before they started filming and stuff. But then when he started to see the footage that James Cameron had shot, then he was like, Oh no, this is going to be something big. And then of course it just became this big, huge. It's,
1: it's really also just from a, a Schwarzenegger standpoint. It, it's kind of crazy because he was still working to uh, get his English down, obviously, the right. movies he had made before this were not big-time successful movies. I think Pumping Iron, the documentary, was probably the most big-time film that he had been in up until that point. He uh, was in Conan
0: too.
1: Oh, he wasn't. This is after Conan.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, so because he, even in Conan, though he's this movie really sent like it, if you're already Conan. And to then become this near silent stalker killer, bad guy. It's you running the risk. You know, he doesn't have at this point in his career. He doesn't have 10 other notable notable hero movies. So like right. when, uh, you know, Denzel Washington decides to do training day, he has an entire career of being the great good guy. So it's, oh, he's, he's playing off character, right. you know? if if you look at the next five years only five years of of schwarzenegger's career he's just basically good guy good guy good guy good guy action hero action hero action hero and to think that that came off the bat of this performance you know instead of being cast as like a, a just a continual silent villain for the rest of the decade he's it's really yeah. interesting that like a year later he's doing commando, which is a borderline action comedy with all the one liners in it. Right, you know?
0: right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Arnold obviously has had his impact on sci-fi. And I think it is really interesting that you say that, that, you know, he could have been marked as the villain, I think because, cause he only, he says less than a hundred words in the whole fucking movie, you know, I think it's just because he's so larger than life that they couldn't really think of another kind of silent killer that could be the Terminator, right? Like what other, like, you know, steal the show kind of villain do you have in sci-fi movies? You know, maybe you have Darth Vader, but obviously he talks a lot, but like, um, it's just, they had to make him a hero because he's so big in this role, you know, it's just so iconic. Um, And so, you know, obviously he kind of redeems himself and becomes the hero even in Terminator 2. You know, he's a a good version of the T-800. And he's kind of reprogrammed just like Mother is reprogrammed. That's another thing that kind of ties in. I wanted to throw that in there too. Another comparison between uh, Raised by Wolves and Terminator is that, you have these killing machines, or at least Mother's a killing machine, and they reprogram her to protect humans. And uh, another thing that is a connection between the two is the, the futuristic world, like the Earth itself. Like, the earth in Raised by Wolves looks like the earth in Terminator, you know? But um, And it's yeah, only I mean,
1: 2029, which is seven years from now.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think, what was it, like 1997 is when
1: Skynet... August like, 29th, 1997.
0: There we go. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think I was like 14 or something. I, maybe I'm a little off. 15. 15. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but just unless you had some other things, I, I was just kind of going to wrap it up. You Good. Yeah. Yeah. So so you were talking about how Arnold's the hero and Arnold's the hero in our next two movies. And, and one point I wanted to make finally was I, I think that 80s sci fi, you need Arnold. You need that strong leading man. And he comes in in this movie like a force to be reckoned with. No one can stop him. You know, ironically, he's stopped by a, a young woman right, this is taken out, right, by, uh, you know, the, the future heroines, right, um, Sarah Connor, but you need that Arnold presence to kind of make the hero that sci-fi movies of the 80s have, and in the 80s you have these incredible, credible villains with this technology, the, the amazing special effects, and so you need that leading man that you know can take them on, and so for our next video, we're gonna take on one of the very great, uh, you know, villains of the 80s, sci-fi villains, The Predator. So I'm super pumped about that one.
1: Yeah. Um, the Predator is another movie where, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a, a horror movie, a science fiction movie and an action movie all at the same time. And, you know, you can argue one over the other and you're, you're always going to be right. Uh, and yeah, I, I can't wait to talk about that because it gives me a chance to rewatch Predator because who doesn't want to rewatch Predator?
0: Oh my God, I love it so much. I kind of want to watch all of these with my little girl too. Uh, on a little side note, I actually didn't get to watch Terminator. I think I maybe was older than your daughter, uh, but I would always see the end. One of the things about my mom is she would let me see these movies, but she would only show me the parts that she thought were like kind of cool or that a kid would like and she wouldn't show me the scary horror parts of the the one sex scene in Terminator, which is funny, because when you go to watch Terminator, there's that one meme where it's like, what Terminator is like when I'm watching it, and it's like, you know, Arnold shooting at people, and then it's like, what Terminator's like when my mom walks in, and it's that, <laughs> that scene, you know? So, uh,
1: real quick story, my so I remember nine years old, seeing the previews for Terminator 2 on TV, and I remember telling my my parents, I i have to see this movie this movie looks so good i was so excited and my dad was like uh, okay i yeah but but you have to see the first one i was there's a first one and we rented it from the video store and i sat on the couch in between my parents and we watched the terminator and good movie good movie fun action gore great the sex scene happens and it was the first time in my life that i ever remember feeling so awkward like danny danny learned what the word awkward meant while watching the terminator on the couch in between my parents yes and i was like and i just remember going like can we fast forward like like i don't want to watch this with you guys and then like I remember my dad getting so excited watching the end of this movie with like you know where he just keeps coming back over and over again like the unstoppable they blow him up and parts of him come after you and uh and then terminator 2 was the first movie i ever saw multiple times in movie theater i saw it three times in the theater and i i wore out the vhs tape that i had uh so yeah so excited to to re-watch that coming up soon
0: Yeah. Yeah. Danny's uh, innocence was lost. Just like that blanket that was in between uh, Linda Hamilton and Michael Bean's hand, you know, just right at the very end there. Um, Yeah. And and that's the thing is my mom, like she didn't show me any of the previous stuff, but at the very end, that scene where it's like crawling after Linda Hamilton and she's like, you're terminated fucker. And she pushes the button. Oh, so good. So good. And that of course, um, you know, leads to like first big, like, female well we already had Ripley but like one of the first big sci-fi female heroines too so uh maybe eventually we'll start talking about Ripley too but of course you can't talk about Terminator not mention Sarah Connor you know of course so
1: I mean uh, we'll we'll probably talk about Ripley uh sometime in late April uh around um uh April 26th perhaps
0: yeah maybe that might be a big deal for us yeah cool man Well, until Predator time, this has been me and Danny. And uh, we thank you guys for watching. If you haven't watched our Raised by Wolves videos, go on over to Comic Books Transformed and check out our reviews for all the episodes of Season 2. And uh, Danny, I will see you uh, this weekend and talk about Predator.
1: You got it.